You are listening to What Kind of Asian Are You podcast, a podcast featuring conversations about being Asian. I am your host, Kyle, a Hong Kong Chinese Canadian diaspora interested in the third culture identity. Each week, I talk with a different diaspora Asian to talk about their life, stories, and experiences. The podcast looks to highlight, amplify, and validate Asian voices worldwide. Please stand back from the doors. In today's episode, we have part one of my conversation with my good friend Jack from DIU Podcast. He's a returning guest. I interviewed him along with his podcast partner, Gavin, for episode one of this podcast. I brought him back for another episode to have a conversation about our experience working and living in Taiwan. For those that are not familiar with my story, I moved to Asia from Canada close to four years ago. We moved to Taiwan together for work, where he stayed for one and a half years while I left Taiwan for Singapore in August of 2020. So for this episode, we talked about our thoughts and feelings about our experience in Taiwan and also what we learned during our time in Taiwan. If you are someone from the diaspora interested in either going to or returning to Taiwan, this episode can provide some insight into how it is to work and live in Taiwan being a diaspora Asian. Now, before we get into this episode, make sure to follow the podcast on your streaming platform, leave ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, follow the podcast on Instagram at what kind of Asian pod, and share this with your friends and family. Last, follow Jack on his Instagram at J-A-C-K-H-S-I-E-H-1-2-3 and check out his podcast, D-I-U Podcast. So without further ado, I have my guest today, Mr. Jack C from D-I-U Podcast. Hey, Jack. What's up, man? I'm doing well. You know, living through COVID. So I just want to talk to you about living abroad, uh, working in a foreign country, experiencing that life, especially working and living in Taiwan, which we both shared. So uh, I just kind of want to talk to you about that experience that we had. For the listeners that are not familiar with my backstory is that a few years back, I went to Taiwan to teach English and I didn't go alone. I went with Jack. So um, we spent our time in Taiwan, specifically in like Taipei area, uh, teaching English at a cram school. He did that for... One and a half years? Uh, yeah, it was a year and a half. I stayed on for a bit longer. And uh, I just want to talk about that experience. I guess we can start from the beginning of like, how do you have the idea to teach in Taiwan in the first place? Well, before we were taught, you know, you and I, Cal, we went on a trip to Asia. And I realized after traveling that, you know, the world is actually bigger than it is. And that, you know, I want to see more of it. I don't want to be stuck in like this small bubble that you grew up in. You know, like, I, I think you feel the same way. When you, when you say? Yeah, I did feel that as well. Mm-hmm. And that I felt, you know, if I see the world more, you know, my knowledge will expand. I'll, I'll, I'll mature myself as a person, and yeah, just meet more people. You know, you know me. I love meeting more people. Uh, but yeah, I decided that at that trip and was like, "Yo, I'm gonna go teach somewhere." At first, I really wanted to go to Japan, but I realized that 
you know, Japan is quite an expensive city and the pay is not that high uh, to the cost of living. You know, going to Taiwan, you know, since we already had a friend there, Kyle, she told us that the pay we get there to the standard of living is quite high. We get basically get paid as much as a PhD student. And I also went to learn Mandarin at one point. And because like at first I was like, oh, I should go learn Japanese. But as you know, the rise of China, uh, I felt like, you know, I should learn Mandarin also like my roots. Uh, my parents are from China. Like, obviously, I came from like uh, Guangzhou, which is like the Canton, Canton region, but same time, we're still part of China. And I want to learn Mandarin. Uh, but within that year and a half, I did accomplish my goal. I, I learned to read, I learned to uh, speak, listen, and write. And I'm very proud of that. that. That's great. And I think listening to what you're saying now, compared to what um, I remember of why we wanted to go, I think it's still pretty much aligned and you accomplished what you wanted to do. And it's, it's nice because you did a lot in that year and a half that I feel like realistically, I did not expect you to do so like when we set out to do it because I think for us, part of it is like we wanted to do those kind of things, but at the same time, we were kind of not taking it as serious or like we didn't have in mind of like, oh yeah, we're going to definitely accomplish those things. Would you say so? Or would you like, oh, really committed? Like, oh, I'm going to get that done at the start. Well, at the start, like, you, you know, I had a very, uh, I would say rough patch in that first half year. I was there. I actually didn't learn Mandarin the first half year. I actually started learning the the half year after uh, when stuff started to get better for me in my life. And then I, I would say it took me about eight months to get fluent and another four months to improve on like the reading aspect and the writing aspect. But yeah, in the beginning, there was no mindset. I was like, I'm just going to do it. It was like no commitment. And then half a year later, when my rough patch was over over there, I, I, I committed all my time. So like after work, I would go home. I would study on the weekend. I was actually studying as well. Like I would say the amount of time I spent at work is also the same amount of time I spent studying. So I was quote unquote working full time, but I enjoyed learning Mandarin because uh, at first, you know, I was like, man, I'll just learn it. And then I really started to enjoy it because I actually felt like I was learning really fast. Even my friends that were there and that I talked with, I actually, I have a friend that actually taught me as well. He even said I learned at a very, very quick pace compared to a lot of other foreigners. And I do think it's because of my Cantonese background uh, that uh, boost my learning, I would say. That's great. I want to bring it back to just our general experience being in Taiwan, working and living there and your thoughts on it. So at the start, how do you feel about working and living in Taiwan? Like, is there any kind of adjustments that you will have to make or any kind of things that you notice that you want to kind of bring up that you no know, other people, especially in the West, might not know or even heard from other people talking about it? Well, you know, growing up in an Asian family, your parents obviously don't want you to go back to Asia. They came to the West for a reason. And I think you can relate to that. And, you know, at first, I think there was a lot of adaptation because uh, moving to another country, uh, by yourself without your family, I think that's a huge change. And like, especially for me, I know for you, Kyle, like you lived on campus as a university student, but I lived at home. And for me, when I moved, I went to another country living alone. You at least had the extra stepping stone where you actually lived alone for, for four years or something. And you, and you, you had that stepping stone. I did it basically. And that, that was a huge change. And like, 
as much as you came with me or we went together, it was still a big, big change for me. Uh, I, I, well, I'm happy about like you going with me and, you know, I had someone to have my back if any, if any shit went down, right? Like if I actually went alone and knew no one there, I, I don't think I, I would know like how to resolve my adult issues, I would call it. Like, you know, we're, we're young adults, but at the same time, even in our mid twenties, I still feel like a kid, you know, we're like so oblivious to the world, uh, oblivious to so much of the world. And I feel like anyone growing up in a country in the West, especially you going back to the East, you, you know, you're like a freaking little kid. Like you, you don't know what to do besides like having to learn all these skills that you learn. I would say the most like useful skill that I learned is budgeting. Mm. Uh, because before I went to Taiwan, I didn't really budget. I just spent what I had almost every paycheck. And eventually living alone, I, I had to save up because like, oh, I had to pay rent. Uh, I also wanted to travel within Asia. So these are little things I need to save up for that I never thought about when I lived at home. I just, you know, I had food on the table. I, uh, I just go and spent my money that I earned from working. And, you know, that I think that's a huge learning thing, like budgeting. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I think I could relate to that heavily as well. Just because I think when you're all alone, when you have rent to pay on your own and like bills here and there, not that many, but still, there's still bills to be paid. Like you're, everything is on you rather than when you're back home is like your parents will talk to you about like money and stuff but like when you're in a new country they won't really talk to you that much about like budgeting budgeting because they don't have really a sense of how you're going through everyday life because they can't see you uh but you know you know just imagine you know our parents coming to the west settling here living here it must have been so hard for them and like yeah i was gonna say like did you gain a deeper appreciation for what your family had to go through or especially your mom and dad, you know, their journey to the West immigrating and their kind of immigrant story. Cause like now that I think of it, like now that you mentioned it is like, wow, like my parents, they did have something from Hong Kong that they moved to Canada with, but it's still not a lot. And to give up their whole life to have to go to another country so that they could have a better future for me and and my sister so did you yeah. feel like you have a better appreciation now for what your family have done i i, I do actually like you, you know growing up my dad would tell me this story you know how he got here you know what he did to have to get to canada how he came how he came with a hundred dollars back then and he didn't have much coming here and like at least we going to like taiwan i i kind of had a bit of money for my parents but like imagine me without money how the fuck am i supposed to even rent a house let's just say that mm -hmm. right and you know coming back i'm like I, I did tell my dad you know like even though you helped me i felt like it was really hard starting like i wasn't even starting new there i was coming back i knew i was coming back to canada like my end goal wasn't to stay there and just me being there for a year and a half and learning all these skills and everything and like my dad and mom had a super rough patch trying to settle in canada i would say yeah it, it's crazy like like how the older generation made it and like thrive now and you know allowed us to do what we want because i think us moving to asia trying teaching in asia for however long we decided that's that's not what they expected or that that's not what in their minds of what their son would be doing and um they were able to just have a scope just because they were at a point in their life where no whatever we do we can just try and risk and like explore so I, I i feel like with this experience of like living in taiwan is like 
made me more thankful that I'm able to do what I can do now. Yeah, and yeah, just just I really appreciated my parents. Uh, that's number one. I think、uh, budgeting, the skill I learned there, and I would say、uh, that number two is that you know it made me realize、uh, my culture, you know, Cantonese culture. That kind of like I I don't how to explain it. You know, like before Taiwan, like I was already like, yo, Cantonese is dying. You know, we need to preserve this language,、mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I always talked about it, but I never like did anything about it. I just always said it. But you know, moving to Taiwan made me appreciate Cantonese more and made me learn more about my own culture. I I, I know Taiwan Taiwan is a Mandarin speaking country, but you know, at the same time, you know, it made me appreciate my own culture because you know they also have a dying language there. You know, Taiwanese. You know, and a lot of people there try to learn it to keep their culture up and. It, You know, kind of made me realize, so yo, Cantonese is so important to me, and like, you know, it's 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 a thing I need to keep up with, you know. And you know, growing up, I I spoke a lot of Cantonese. I would say, you know, my fluency for Cantonese is 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 really high, like compared to the typical CBC. But obviously, you know, I can never compare to a local from from、uh, Hong Kong or something, right? Yeah. But don't don't get me wrong. Like, I went back to to Guangzhou, and obviously, I saw my relatives. And you know my、uh, nephew, and he was born in Guangzhou, but his like Cantonese is not even as good as mine. And I was born in the West, like, like they were saying, like your Cantonese is better than his. And he, but his Mandarin is better than mine. Don't get me wrong; it's because his Mandarin is sort of more dominant language for that kid. And he was like, everyone in the family was like, "Yo, your Cantonese is so so good." Like he basically sounded like a local.、Mm. And I did at that time. I was dating a girl from there, and、uh, even her friends just like like they said, you know, you sound like a dude from Hong Kong. Well, I'm not、mm. from Hong Kong, but like they sound they because I sometimes you know add in English words to my Cantonese. I don't do it as often anymore. I used to do it more.、Uh, as I as I was learning Mandarin, I also kind of increased my vocab for Cantonese. So you know, now I would say like I'm pretty fluent. Like. You know, I would I would join a clubhouse chat. You know,、uh, and I join these you know Cantonese speaking rooms, and I just speak with these like Hong Kong people, like like I'm from there now at this point. You know, that's great. And yeah, I think a lot of like your discovery of your own culture and your identity was really from Taiwan, at, at least how I saw it. And I think it's really nice to see. And、um, again, I think we will talk about that more in depth later on. But I want to continue talking about like. Taiwan experience as whole, like how did you feel about working there, and also like the people you like encountered through work and like outside of work, like how's your overall living experience in Taiwan for those who might not have ever been to Taiwan or only recently kind of understood what Taiwan is? Well, I, I guess like the working environment. Let's talk about the working environment first. So the working environment, you know, we from the West, you know, we have that privilege、uh, that you know we get Christmas off or something. And it's it's different for us. Like like we're Asian, we're yellow face. Our ancestors are from Asia, but they still treat us like a foreigner. They don't treat treat us like a local because, you know, we're from the West. We're CBCs, you know, or ABCs. So in the work environment, we still have that privilege. You know, we clock in, we teach our class, we clock out. But you know, the workers there, they're like working like freaking ten hour shifts, twelve hour shifts. Like I'm like holy shit, bro. Like I'm thinking in my head, I feel sorry for these locals and. We're getting like three times as much pay as them per hour, and、mm-hmm. that's that's crazy. Like if you think about it, Cal, like dude, we 
we were living like rock stars over there. Yeah. Yeah. Relative to like what locals would make. And I think it's true for most industry, not just like us being English teacher at a cram school. I think any industry in Taiwan, the locals are heavily underpaid regardless yeah. of like in the, any industry, like even if they work in tech is like their pay is so much lower than you know what you would expect from like so- a tech company. Yeah, so not even like I know some people that work do office jobs, like work in the office, like I'm doing now, right? And okay, they're working normal hours, and we're working half the hours they are, and we're still making more than them. Mm-hmm. So that was an eye opener for the culture wise. Uh, I, you know, I can't imagine living with their salary, man. I'm gonna be honest, I can't imagine living with their salary for us foreigners over there. What if, what if uh, we are able to like live with our parents there, like? Do you think it will make a difference or is you still think it's way too low? I still think it's too low, dude. Like, like I would say it's too low still, but I really like the healthcare there. Uh, I don't have to wear too much of healthcare. So over there, you know, like I got three wisdom teeth pulled out and a wash for $20 Canadian. Mm, yeah. That was huge, man. I, I, I pulled out all three wisdom teeth there before I came back. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and like here, like in Canada, you freaking pull out wisdom teeth is like three bills, bro. Mm-hmm. If you don't have insurance, or yeah. it could be more than that, depending if you put anesthesia, right? Yeah. So that that was huge. The healthcare system, you know, even going to to the doctors is cheaper than going to the doctors here. You know, we're we're quote unquote free, but we still have to pay for our medicine. When we go over the counter, right? Mm-hmm. Over there, you know, you're going to see a doctor for like five bucks, ten bucks, whatever it is, five to ten bucks, depending on where you go, and we get three days of medicine. And we get to see the doctor. And I would say that's still cheaper than Canada. I really liked the people there are so nice, friendly. You know, one time I was like uh, hung over. I puked on the street in the middle of the day. You know, some lady like legit just pulled over on her scooter and asked me if I was okay and gave, handed me some, some Kleenex. Like if you're in Canada, that's not going to fucking happen. You know, some, some people probably look at you like, what the fuck is this guy doing, man? Right. Is he like sick or some shit? Mm-hmm. Like. They wouldn't do it here in, in Canada as much as, you know, you would get the rep of like nice, you know, over there is a whole nother level. That's all I got to say, man. That's my Taiwan experience. And, and you know, traveling within uh, Taiwan is pretty accessible as well, since they have like the high speed rail and shit. Not like mm-hmm. Canada, what we take, like the train. Yeah. Like Taiwan, it was, was great as an experience. You know, you know, I, if I was younger, if I was like, like early twenties going there to teach English right out of a fresh grad, I would probably stay there longer. Mm. You mentioned like, oh, you probably stayed there longer. So in a sense, you're saying like, it could be a potential place to stay and um, build your life there. So, but why is it different now that you're in, say you started in your mid twenties? Because like, you know, growing up, I, I think, you know, this Kyle, like, you know, since high school, I wanted to get married at 27, have my first kid at 30, right? That's always been my goal since I think grade 10 or grade 11, sorry, grade 11. And that's when you met me. And I was like, dude, you know, my, my timeline is ticking, you know, Taiwanese girls aren't right for me. Like I dated many girls there and I think you met most of them, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I realized that when I can't these girls, you know, I, as much as fluent as my Mandarin is now at this point, cause I've dated many girls, you know, I've, I've, I've did my, I did, I, I did my due time there in learning Mandarin. And, you know, I realized even as much as like, I even came back to Canada and dated a couple of Mandarin speaking girls. And I realized I can't do that. I can't do it. Like the culture is different, you know, e- even though within Asian culture, there's still different culture. And like, it feels more at home when I'm dating someone that speaks Cantonese. Okay. So 
you not being able to that, live there it's as a result just you don't think you can find a potential partner there yeah like i would say taiwan kind of made me realize what type of girls i like more mm. that's that's another thing i learned i would say dude i learned a lot in taiwan that year and a half man i and i think you you see me develop as a person in that mm-hmm. year and a half yeah and you know, growing up, like I was always the type of guy, you know, quit halfway through something, right? Yeah. And Mandarin was something I stuck with. That's that's like even till this point, I'm still, you know, kind of learning, kind of trying to keep up my Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Another main thing I want to kind of ask you about, or like pick your brains out on, is like the fact of like people that are from the West that are Asian going back to like say Asia, maybe to set up life there, or thinking about moving there to to figure things out do you think going through that route is technically and are like going through that route and feeling oh things are better in asia and all that stuff is it more because asia is really that great or it's that you know the west has given us experiences that are not so like no palatable or like we really didn't have a great time or is it a mixture of both i i think that you know growing up in the west like I had mentioned this earlier. We have privilege over there, so that's what made it more of a fun time because we know English, and we're teaching them. We're making more money. We have more money. We can spend it more. Mm-hmm. We, we can use that doing more stuff over there. You know what I mean? Uh, I think that's that's the huge point. Like if I grew up there, like it would be a totally different experience. But if you're from the West, I would highly, highly suggest. It doesn't matter if it's Taiwan. If it's Hong Kong, if it's Guangzhou, if it's Shanghai, or whatever your fuck you're going, just go back, live there for like a year or two, like legit, like you know, get a grasp of your culture. I tell this to everyone, like even though Taiwan's not my roots, I still felt more at home than being in the West, like culture-wise. Thank you for listening to What Kind of Asian Are You podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider following the podcast on your streaming platform and also on Instagram at. What kind of Asian pod? Again, what kind of Asian pod? Make sure to leave reviews and ratings as well. Again, thank you for listening and supporting. See you on the next episode of What Kind of Asian Are You podcast.